1 John chapter 4, and we'll be starting at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Our question for today is this. Why does love for the family breed assurance? Why does love for the family breed assurance? In other words, how does our love for each other and our assurance connect? What's that connection? And loving each other is hard. So we need all the motivation we can get. And that is why John wrote this section. If loving each other was so easy and obvious, John would have written chapter 4 verse 7 and then skip to his conclusion, which we'll see next week starting at chapter 5, verse 4b. So this is hard stuff. This is very counterintuitive stuff. So strap on your thinking caps, especially tightly this morning. Although right up front, I want to say that I see this love that we're talking about this morning here. Every week I see us loving each other like this. So many of our prayers of thanksgiving were because we have this love here. So be encouraged, if you like, Keep calm and carry on. That's what John wanted his readers to do. And I think it's exactly the same for us. They were already loving each other. And I think we are already loving each other like this. So be reassured. And now I'm not going to embarrass people um, throughout this talk by pointing out particular expressions of love. But you all know this, having been here for a while. So fill in the examples as we go through for yourselves. Picture this scene. 
one of your Christian friends is in a season of doubting. We all have them at some point in our Christian lives, don't we? For one reason or another, your friend is questioning everything. Maybe like in 1 John, their friends who were Christians have left Jesus behind. Heartbreaking. What do you do? How do you reassure them? What's your primary strategy to help them? Maybe you crack out the answers to all the big questions. Show that Christianity is logically true so that there is no reason to doubt apologetics or giving them some book or just reasoning through scripture together. And you know what? Christianity is logical and is true, so it's a really good idea. Good idea. I think that's always our default as well, isn't it? It's a good thing to do. We need to hear God's voice in the scriptures and to understand truth. Maybe you do another wonderful thing. You pray. Pray day and night for them. How good is that response? Our whole lives are in the Lord's hands, so we must pray to him for all the help. John's answer for this wobbly church is this. Love each other. Chapter 4, verse 7. Take them to church. Take them to church, not just to fill their brains, although that might help, but so the family can love them. Is that a surprise? Of course, logical answers and prayer will be part of how we love, but it's a much bigger answer to what we'd normally do, I think. Here's the thing. From our love for each other, we will have a subjective experience of our objective reality. We'll have a subjective experience of our objective reality, and that is extraordinary. Before we dive in, um, we need to pause so we can define the love that we are talking about. And through this, we're going to do a little bit of thinking about the book as a whole. Uh, Love is the most popular of words in our society. Everyone wants to love. Uh, The Beatles think that love is all you need. And the world essentially believes that love is God. That's idolatry. Love is God. So long as you love, then you're good. You're untouchable. And we live our lives for romance, for sex, for family. We turn good things into ultimate things. Love is God. That is not true. It's not love is God, but that God is love. But we need to be more precise even than that. See, 1 John has two crucial statements about God. Not just God is love, but that God is light. Chapter 1, verse Five, these two statements, they hold the two ends of the book together. See, we can't have only God is love or God is only love. We need both God is light and love. You can't have one without the other. What do I mean? God is light. That means he's holy and pure, which means he exposes our differences to him. Do you remember when Anne brought back that torch back in September to shine on the ceiling so we could expose the darkness? That's what light does. It exposes our sin. But God is also love, meaning not that he's gentle and kind to everyone. That is what the world thinks love is. 
but that whilst he remains light, holy, we remain sinful, and into that situation, he offered his son to us. God loved us first. Chapter 4, verse 19. He loved us when he had every single reason not to love us. There was nothing in us that deserved it. So God's love is uh, sacrificial, unreserved, unlimited, unnoticed, not reciprocated, not greatly received. Uh, This love is painful to give, isolating, unappreciated, Jesus died giving it. Our love is normally driven by what we might gain from it. Jesus didn't love you for what he might gain from you. Compare God's love to how the world loves, and it doesn't compare, does it? We don't love like that. We can't love like that, except after he has loved us and shown us how. So we constantly need to hold on to God's example of love because it is so different from our natural state. So that's the love that we have in view this morning. Let's dive in. Why should we love each other? Firstly, we should love each other as, as our love produces mutual abiding. Mutual abiding, verses 12 to 16. Abiding is all over these five verses. Five times in five verses, they are all about abiding. And there is a two-way abiding going on. Did you see? Us abiding in God and God abiding in us. A two-way street. Mutual. And abiding is an unusual word that we don't use much anymore. And Keller helped us see, didn't she, that it speaks of uh, sticking, staying put, remaining. But it also speaks of dwelling, living, home. Everyone has a sense of home. I don't know where it is for you, the warm, comfy pillow at night, your safe haven, a place that holds particular memories. Home is where the heart is. And that is right. See, that's what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is someone who calls God home and where God is at home. In fact, we need to be more precise. Uh, It's not just a singular thing, but a corporate thing. Uh, Christians call God home and Christians are where God is at home. That's an astounding statement, isn't it? See, God actually abides. He dwells. He lives at home, in a bunch of sinful Christians. All we do is hold on to the apostles' teaching and confess our sins together by hiding under Jesus. Isn't that breathtaking? You want your doubting friends then to know that God loves them? Well, then you love them. You love them. How? Only because of what God did first to us. So now we are God's home. We can tell them that by showing them the very same love. If it's love which only comes from Jesus, sacrificial, 
unreserved, unlimited love, not a squishy worldly love, which is limited and empty. Well, then, then they'll help them know that they know God. Subjectively, they'll know the objective reality. It's the most reassuring thing imaginable. Mutual abiding. Second half of verse 16. Look at it with me closely. God is love. And whoever abides is at home in love. Abides is at home in God. And God abides is at home in him. Do you want to see God? Well, roll up your sleeves and love each other. Then in real, tangible ways, you'll find God living in us. Sometimes I come to our Thursday night Bible study expecting to see God in his words. And that is right. But because I'm so focused on that, I ignore the other Christians on the table sometimes. I forget what I prayed for them the previous week. I don't take the time to love them and care for them. Ask about them. Verse 12, loving them is a way to see the invisible God. Remember when you have experienced this kind of love here. I'm sure you can think of many examples. And John is trying to help us in those experiences to think, oh, if we can love in this way, then God must be with us. What other explanation is there? We tend to be slow to think like that, don't we? which is why this is a hard thing for us to grasp. That's firstly why we should love mutual <laughs> abiding. But secondly, why should we love? We should love because it breeds ultimate confidence. It breeds ultimate confidence, verse 17 to 19. Uh, John contrasts here confidence with fear. Uh, fear is bound to lead to doubts, and a lack of assurance. So, may I ask you, what are you scared of? Life holds all sorts of fears, doesn't it? Everyone's scared of something. That is only rational. I actually found out this week there is a fear of the colour yellow, a xanthophobia. Extraordinary, isn't it? Um, Don't ask me how that works. Um, I think you'd agree, though, that that is not... if this is you, by the way, just come and talk to me afterwards. I'm sorry. But I don't think that is rational, is it? Not rational. The colour yellow cannot hurt you. But what about the day of judgment? Did you know that one day everyone will die and face Jesus in judgment? Did you know that? Can anyone stand Truly confident in that moment, logically, rationally, everybody should be absolutely petrified. After all, God is light. He exposes us all. All should be petrified. All that is, except for the Christian. Middle of verse 17, look at these words. Confidence for the day of judgment. Confidence. How does John persuade us to have that confidence? We need to be confident on that day. How can you be confident on that day? 
Answer, propitiation. A wrath-bearing sacrifice, we thought about it earlier. In other words, you need to know that God loves you and that it's done. That's the key. Now, everything flows and follows, fits with that idea. But we need to be work hard here. There's two very tricky phrases, either side of the confidence in verse 17, that we need to work through and get hold of. So hold on tight. This bit's a bit tricky. Uh, love perfected. Do you see those words there? Love perfected. And as we love each other, we are perfecting God's love. What is that perfecting? Uh, there's two possible senses to perfecting. Firstly, uh, and this is not it, uh, this is not about Jesus' love not being sufficient when he died on the cross and us needing to top up that love and what was lacking in the cross. Rather, this is about love being completed, uh, finished, finding its goal in us doing this. See, uh, God's purpose for us is to be a perfect people under his perfect rule. We love him and so we love each other. That's always been God's desire for humanity ever since the very start of Genesis. So when you see perfected in these verses, think completed, completed love. Verse 17, read it slowly with me. Uh, By this, i.e. us abiding in love, is love completed with us? Why? Keep reading. So that, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so also are we in this world. That's the second tricky phrase, if you hadn't already figured that out. What does that mean? As he is, so also are we in this world. As he is means as Jesus entered into the world... This world, the world here meaning the present natural physical world, well, we live in the very same here and now physical world. So just like Jesus did, word became flesh and he loved his disciples and us. He loved in a very cross-shaped way. And you see, it's exactly the same for us. So too, he says, so too, as we live and exist in this world, we too are to live a very cross-shaped life. End of verse 17, because as Jesus is in this world, so also are we. If you like, as we love each other, we follow the family likeness. We follow the pattern that Jesus set for us when he was in the world, we complete the very purpose of him dying for us. And because of that, we can stand confident, ultimately confident, not fearful before the Lord on the day of judgment. So the Christian can look at that day of judgment with unwavering confidence, not an ounce of fear, needs to be in you. Now, that doesn't mean that if you have doubts in this life, something has gone wrong. 
Doubts are a normal part of the Christian life. Do you see anywhere in this letter to a wobbly church, John saying, why do you have doubts? Snap out of it. Something must have gone horribly wrong. Isn't that quite extraordinary? Look at verse 18. There is no fear. No fear in love. Stand in God's love for you, and then you will love God and the family of God also. Do you feel how counterintuitive this is? As we love each other, we can therefore stand with ultimate confidence on that last day. Final and complete confidence. Friends, as we love each other, the whole goal of Jesus dying for us is realized. It's what you were made for. It was what you were saved for. So love each other in a very cross-shaped way. Just as he was, so also are we. I bet that you don't naturally think of that as you lay your life down for the person sitting next to you this morning. As you love them as Jesus loved in this world. Did you know this? If you're a Christian here this morning, God could not possibly love you more than he does at the moment. And God could never love you any less. Did you know that? And so we live in that reality and we live that reality out for each other. It's the goal of Jesus's love. In doing so, we give each other great confidence for that day. Not that our ability to love changes our standing with God in any way. Humans can only love like this when it's generated from God, who is love himself. Verse 16, God is love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Loving each other has extremely amazing, eternal effects on us. It completes God's purposes of dying for us. Uh, What have we said so far? Why do we love each other? Firstly, it creates mutual abiding. Secondly, an ultimate confidence. And thirdly, finally and more briefly, uh, love for each other creates regenerational proof. Regenerational proof. The idea in these verses is visibility. How do we really know um, visibly who loves God and who doesn't? After all, it's easy to say, I love God. Anyone can say that, right? But how can you tell who is abiding in God or not? After all, nobody has ever seen God. Look at verse 20. But realize that this is not for us. This is to the group that we've called the departed, those who have left the church family. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Uh, The departed claimed that they knew God. Uh, They claimed to love God. Uh, They claimed that God loved them most. So John calls their bluff here. Do you know how easy it is to say I love God? 
But if you want the litmus test for regeneration, uh, regenerational proof, well, proof that somebody really knows God and has been born again, well, then it's right here. Do they love the family? Anyone can say, I love God. But if verse 20, they hate their brother, then they are a liar. That's the departed. Remember, that was the insult John used way back in chapters 1 and 2 of the departed. At twisting the word of God, making it suit their own ends, exposing here how the departed really hate the family of God. Notice how universal these verses are. Verse 20, if anyone, verse 21, whoever, chapter 5, verse 1, everyone who believes, everyone who loves, verse 4, everyone who has been born of God. So just like the Lord Jesus overcame the world by dying on the cross for us, so too we are to love everyone in that same kind of way. A cross-shaped love for each other. Regenerational proof. It's the the born again litmus test, which will give us assurance. So why love each other? Mutual abiding, ultimate confidence, regenerational proof. Uh, Loving each other is not easy, clearly. And loving each other doesn't always obviously feed our assurance. Hence why John wrote this bit. But these reasons we've seen should encourage us to pursue love for each other at all costs. It will give us great assurance. Did you know God lives in us? Did you know that we stand confidently at the end? We'll know that we're the real deal until then. One final thought as we close. If we're to love like this, then we need to give each other the space to love each other like this. That definitely means time and energy for each other. But chiefly, I think it requires us to be weak and to be vulnerable with each other, to let each other in, to let each other love us. If you're depressed or you're broke, or you're heartbroken, or you're full of doubts, whatever it might be, help us love you by saying so. Tell somebody. We might have God living inside us, but we're not mind readers. (laughs) How easy would it be for you to tell somebody in the church family today, if you are depressed, broke, heartbroken or full of doubts it actually gives them the opportunity to bless you actually to love you and amazingly to assure the whole church family please don't miss that chance when you have a friend who's full of doubts love them better still bring them here to church And see to it that they are surrounded with cross-shaped love. I'm going to pray as we close.
God is love. Heavenly Father, we stand amazed as we fix our eyes on you. You are love in your very nature and being. Forgive us when we take our eyes off your love poured out for us in the Lord Jesus. And thank you for telling us this morning about how loving each other is for our own assurance. Thank you through loving us, each other, that we live in you and we live in you. Thank you that as we love each other, we grow in ultimate confidence for that final day. Thank you that for giving us everything that we need to know. So Father, we pray that you would help us love each other. Thank you though we already do. Keep us by your spirit, abiding in your love. For your glory alone, we pray these things. Amen.